listening to the Maritime Milsim Podcast, brought to you by Tier 1 Scenarios, MagFed Maker, Nova Tactical Designs, Jester's Tactical Sports Center, and Ripple Industries, specializing in MagFed paintball from tactical gear to equipment. All right, let's get this one rolling. So, welcome everyone to episode 72 of the Maritime Milsim Podcast. My name is Hooligan. I will be your host tonight. With me, I have uh, Jester from Jester's Tactical Sports Center. Good evening, everybody. I also have uh, a special guest, Kyle. I forgot to ask how your last name is said. The Cure? Lecue. I was close. But no worries. How's it all going, guys? <laughs> so Kyle here is from Synergy Paintball Events, which is a yay, uh, <laughs> yay! Everyone applaud. Is uh, what appears to be a, a fairly large, or at least very successful, uh, organizing uh, organizing event organizer. That's the words I'm looking for. Yeah, and you you stick around mostly like the Ontario area. Yeah, Ontario is where we kind of started, and then uh, last year we started branching into Quebec. Uh, our main goal is gross paintball across Canada. So in the near future, in the next ten years, our goal is to be from coast to coast, from the east to the west. Cool. Yeah. Big goals, but uh, by no means not achievable. Yeah, <laughs> we like to set them big and see what we get. Uh, last year, our goal was to be into Quebec by 2017. We achieved it within like three months, so we're hoping like to get out uh, get out that way pretty quick. Nice. As a matter of Quebec has a pretty solid uh, paintballing scene. Yes, they're, very. They're huge very into the Millsim in Quebec. Yeah, huge into it. They really like it up there. It, uh, I find um, speedball is a very big thing in southern Ontario, and then it gets kind of Millsim once you get into eastern. And then once you hit Quebec, it's a lot of Millsims up that way. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Except for it's almost the more yeah. rugged the industry is, the more Milsim pops up when you look mm-hmm. at the yeah. geographical map of Ontario. Yeah, you got and a Quebec. lot more people working with their hands. Yeah. Well, there. I think uh, Maribel in Quebec last year had the biggest game in Ontario. They had like 1,400 players there at the end <sighs> of August. Yeah. That's huge. That was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I saw some pictures of that. Wow, that yeah, that's ridiculous. So, so Kyle, let's... Let's just learn a little bit about you first. Let's go with how long how long have you been paintballing, or at least in the world of paintball? Um, I started paintball. My first time was when I was grade eight. Um, I went out and played with a buddy at like his farmer's field in the backfield around cows. Nice. Um, the Movable rule was, bunkers. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, they run faster than we did. Um, we couldn't shoot each other in the face, so that was a weird uh, experience. My very first one. So my first time ever playing, I actually hit the other guy like in the mask, not the face, I guess. Uh, so I had to call myself out. I came home with poison ivy, and mom wouldn't let me go back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> turned seventeen, I bought my first car. I worked my ass off from sixteen to seventeen uh, to get my first car, and then I went out the door. And mom was like, uh, "Where are you going? Going to play paintball? No, you're not." And I left. Um, seventeen, <laughs> I've been hooked. Uh, I took a break for about two years, and I went to college uh, to do police foundations, and then got back into it. Uh, I've been pretty heavy into it now for about nine years. Nice. Yeah. Wow. All right. Cool. That's a, that's a hell of a backstory. Usually, most people are like, oh, I went to a bachelor party and started paintballing. Or just got yelled at by mom. Yeah. Time. <laughs> Poison Ivy. Poison you know, Ivy. It was, yeah. it was great. Called myself out. You know, just horrible experience. But <laughs> yeah. I still wanted to go back. Yep. I couldn't wait. I had to wait, to, I don't know, wow, what was that, like eight years, I think, before I could go back and play. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Too long. Too long. Uh, so how long have you been organizing events through Synergy? Um, we started in 2012. Um, I started with uh, PRZ Paintball. Um, some guys call it uh, PRZ, I guess. Um, 
I went there. Um, what would have happened basically the year before that? I was traveling around with a few buddies to some scenario games. Every single one that we went to, every time we left, we felt like we wasted two to three hundred dollars uh, after the event. We didn't have a good memorable experience. And uh, PRZ was having a hard time getting players there at that time. The biggest game they had was like 120 players. Um, and I offered to help out to see what I could do. At that point, I had no clue what I was doing. It was just a random guess, and I knew Facebook was really useful, and they weren't really idle, um, using that very well. So I isolated Facebook and uh, forced all the marketing on that for the first event, and we had 370, 350 people show up to their first Fight for Asylum back in 2012. And then since then, they have asked for me to keep doing more events, and then last year I just branched out to a bunch of fields. Nice. 300-plus players. That's a, that is a healthy number. Yeah, for my first game, it was uh, rather surprising. I, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, and I basically looked like an idiot my first game. I'll never forget that. I remember I had a kid you know, doing the briefing, and I'll never forget this kid. He was wearing some uh, Omega's Curse jersey, I think is what it was, when they were first coming around. And he says, uh, are you done yet? And I, just yeah. right I didn't have a clue. Like I was talking in front of 350 people. Never talked in front of that many people before. I'll never forget that experience. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> I'm that yellow little man. I'm not. <laughs> Are you done yet? You're not playing. <laughs> That's what I felt like saying. But you just at that point in my life, I just had no clue what I was doing. I was so new to it. And then seven year old, five years later, now it's just totally different experience. Get up on that stage and I'm just pumped full of energy and so excited to do what I do. Nice. I love it. That's great. Uh, okay, so you've been doing it for doing it for ages. Uh, and so the reason you started was just. Basically, you weren't happy with the scenarios that you were attending? Pretty much. Uh, what actually happened at the start was just PRZ needed help. They couldn't get big numbers. So I went to another field, and they had like 600 players show up in the middle of March. And we had still had like four feet of snow on the ground. So then nice. a month later, I went to PRZ's uh, season opener back in like 2011. And uh, they only had like 120 people show up. And I went, this is like um, Disneyland compared to the last place I traveled like six yeah. hours to go play. Like, how the heck does a bushball field compared to a mental hospital not have way more players. So I asked me, he says, oh, many people have tried it, just never been successful. The kids that owned it, like, leased it before us. They could never get anything going. Their biggest game was, like, 200 players or something. And then I said, well, can I try it? He's like, yeah, sure, go for it if you really like to. No one's been successful. And I just isolated Facebook. Facebook is a huge marketing tool. Well, it used to be yep. five years ago for paintball. Now it's starting to get a little negative. Now it's, like, screaming in a crowd. It's Yeah, it doesn't work very well at all. And then they want money from you to pay. Where <laughs> before, I didn't have to pay a cent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How dare they clue into how it's making money off of us, those bastards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Screw you, Zuckerberg. Yeah. <laughs> Ruined our sport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I'm sure he's wiping his tears with $1,000 bills right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So let's, uh, let's talk some of the events. So let's go, uh, what was, what was the, the highlight? What was the best event you ever did? Um, Probably about maybe four weeks ago, Fight for Asylum this year actually uh, never had such a successful event. Um, we had 900 players show up, and I kid you not, there wasn't one complaint uh, off the field all day, which I never have. I usually have guys coming off the field screaming at me with that many numbers because they just get so heated and they don't realize what's going on. Um, but yeah. we didn't have one complaint coming off. The game was so balanced and perfect. I don't know what I did to do that, but it just worked out in my favor this year. The weather was absolutely perfect. We had blue skies for three days. Um, there was 900 players. And uh, what was the last thing that we had? The one issue we did have was paint, and that was about it. And there was like maybe two or three complaints about the paint, and that was it. Never had a, an event go, su go successful that well. We had guys from um, Halifax, Alberta, B.C., all over Quebec, of course, all over Ontario, United States. Uh, last year, guys were coming up from like Texas for that event. So, fights usually like the big, big, big event that we have. 
Wow. I'm sure I actually know that people came from Halifax. Yeah, I wish I knew their names. I, there's so many people. So oh, many yeah. faces, too. 20% of the people you, I've seen before. You don't memorize all 900 people's names? <laughs> um, last year, when I ended in 2015, my number was around 9,600 players in the past, like, four years. <laughs> yeah. And you have a picture with each and every one of them, right? Absolutely, yes. My hard yes, drive is overloaded. <laughs> yeah, that's what killed your last computer. Yeah, <laughs> nine hundred selfies. Yeah, <laughs> with you progressively getting tired, more tired, and just yeah. So it's people a- were complaining about the paint. Were these? I gotta ask because I'm. I think I'm I'm this part of the sport's worst enemy. But were they Megfed players? No, every style of player, uh, from Megfed all the way to a speedball gun to a renter, anything you could imagine. The couple of different complaints we had, uh, it was just like uh, the mid grade we had was just too hard of a ball, it wasn't breaking on contact, shot really good at the gun, shot straight. Uh, the higher grade we had was just too brittle, so the Megfed obviously was just chewing it apart in the mags, um, and then the speedball. If you didn't have a high end loader, it was just a soup kitchen going into the end of the guns. Well, it's yeah, good to know and that the it was... those hoppers is. Uh... When you get the the two color fast uh, first strikes there and put them through your hopper, it it chews them up. You have to get the yeah. solid colored ones. You can't get two tone <laughs> for your hoppers. No, you can't you use two tone. No. <laughs> I don't know about first strikes in general in the hoppers. <laughs> you just got to shake it the right way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get it in there. It works fine. You just gotta gotta hold the marker right. <laughs> Cool. So Asylum sounds like a hell of an event. Um, yeah, the Asylum series is our big, big events. Is kind of where we started. Yeah. How many uh, volunteers do you get for a game like that? And how do you go about getting so many volunteers? Um, I ask very politely, and then I use gun and very forceful tactics to make them work. Um, the <laughs> the um, side of like the the repping and all that, we used to just do volunteer, um, and then we started to offer like you know case and entry for their day of doing repping. Uh, nice. On an average weekend of that many, we usually about 40 to 50 staff is what we usually have on site. Um, for one day, we usually have about 30 for the Sunday because the, the numbers of bodies of players usually drop by half. Because uh, we try to do weekend games. We do Friday, Saturday, Sundays. We don't really just do one days. We try to make it worth your travels. Um, so nice. we usually we have about 50 staff in total for a weekend. Uh, we just have a Facebook group where, you know, somebody comes up to us like, hey, man, I want a ref. We just add them to the group. We let them know what time. We have ref meetings in the morning to go over and they're kind of doing uh, but this year we've started to change stuff. We've started doing ref clinics now. Uh, one of my other top reps that I've had for a couple of years is starting to be an instructor with me. We've done one. We had 28 people show up, and we did like a six-hour course on just everything right. that could happen on the scenario field, um, all the way going from you know like heated players, what to do in the situation, to checking paint, to how to treat players in the morning to the afternoon when the adrenaline gets going to where their endurance is starting to kick away, uh, just things to look for on the field and go over. Okay, so you're actually preparing your refs to handle any situation that comes up, not just, you know, stand there and make sure people wear their masks. Correct. Yeah, we use hand signals. So, you know, like if you watch speedball, they put the hand on the head and they have an arm sticking out. All my refs have been told to use that every time they see a dead player. It doesn't matter if it's a player in front of them or 50 feet down the road. They're instantly supposed to put their hands up and signal to all the other players that those players are out. When they go in for a paint check, which is their job to do, they are supposed to back off and use like the safety signal if like a guy in baseball is sliding into base to say if they're clean or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The referees are meant to be very active um, and be very professional. Not as professional as a tournament grade, but to make sure that an event of that size goes professionally and well. If we didn't, and the years before when we didn't have very good refing, the events always fell apart just because there wasn't a very good stable staff on, on the field 
making sure everybody was having a good day. Yeah, I, I had the misfortune, or fortune, I guess, to play in a, a field that um, the refing was disheartening. Yeah, it was it was a, their lo, their in house team, I guess, or whatever, and that's how they pay their fees for the year is by refing at this big game. And when the closest ref to you is you know a hundred feet away, and you're in a semi built up area, and you're asking for paint check because buddy is you know hit but doesn't know it, mm-hmm. and nobody's listening to you, and then people are wiping their masks and everything. It's it's disheartening, and it plays on what you said earlier about why you started your your ventures. How spe- you spend this money, you go to a field, and you walk away feeling like, "Wow, I just totally feel the same way I did when I walked out of Batman and Superman." Like, I want my money. Back. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly it. Uh, my one example is I'm not going to say exact events that I've been to, but I traveled down to the states to play one that's world famous. Spent probably close to a thousand bucks to get there back and forth. The social aspect was really cool, but the actual paintball game is probably one of the crappiest ones I've ever played. And I have never suggested to anybody to head back down to it just because of that. Because I'm, I go to these events to play paintball. So the social aspect yeah. is really cool, but I expect the game to be top notch when I'm paying that kind of money to go down and play, travel that far. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I think, I think everyone knows what game you're talking about. And yeah. when you have that many players in one location, it's, you need a small army to, mm-hmm. to control it. That's exactly it. And if your army's not trained, and that's exactly what the issue is with refing, is your, if your refings aren't trained and prepped for the actual event, you're, you're, it's always going to have giant uh, holes in it, and there's always going to be huge issues that show up. And I think that's what made fight this year go so well, is we had 30 refs show up to a ref clinic four weeks ahead of time and went over six hours straight on exactly everything we're looking for and how to zone and position themselves together and work together. You know, when there's 20, 30 players in front of you, where to position yourself to watch them the best to make sure you're able to see all those hits or non-hits that are coming in. Exactly. Plus, you guys have the outdoor and indoor stuff, so that even adds to a more dynamic refing situation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that uh, PRZ, one of the fields we work with there, yeah, that's a very dynamic field. We have to use 25 refs at minimum for these big games. No, that's just I just I just think that's fantastic that you run a coaching clinic because so many times we go to fields and. You know, it's just somebody who's like, yeah, I'm just doing this because I need to be here to pay for my fees and whatever, and I'm just going to stand here and be that bump in the log, and I don't really care about you, and yeah, ugh, it, makes, it frustrates me. Yeah, frustrates me too, absolutely. I've been to a few events where that happens, and I just, on the field, I just want to freak out, but I have a, I guess, like a, a character or whatever, like a, a popularity that I have to kind of keep like an open mind on the paintball fields and not freak out on the yeah, guys anymore. But, yeah, yeah, your, your persona. persona. Yeah. Persona, yeah, that's it. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. But uh, there's sometimes you see this, you go to some of these side events and it's just like, wow, you just shake your head. Yeah, I, I've, uh, I, I'm embarrassed for them when I see people freak out on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's for a legitimate reason, somebody does something really stupid, unsafe, and you're freaking out of them for being unsafe, yeah. that's one thing. But like, yeah, if the event's not going your way, your team's losing or whatnot, and you're just yeah. losing your shit at the ref, then it's... Yeah, we get those few times a few times a day. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's, there's certain people that just have that personality that as soon as they get any sort of adrenaline going, or the fact, simple fact that they have a mask on, mm-hmm. and you can't actually see their real face, they just become this... Keyboard warrior in real life. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you see it a lot in Airsoft, too. And, and touching on that, the, the Milsim side of it is, I... We've all seen the videos online where refs are just like, what do we do in this situation? And people start mm-hmm. fighting and everything escalates. So touching back on what you said, were you actually 
you know, have that distinction of in the morning, they're going to behave like this in the afternoon. They're going to be a little bit more jacked up. Yep. That's just, that's just great thoughts right there. Yeah. 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 So anybody listening at home who's running their own events or who's a ref, you need to pay attention to that. When <laughs> players first show up in the day, they're excited. They're happy. Nothing can go wrong. Nothing can piss them off. Two hours later after playing on the field all day, well, you know, yeah. the smallest well, thing might set them you, off. Bad refing, lack of refing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, commanders, generals not doing the job. It can really, like, because, like, our games here, we do, like, multiple missions an hour. So we put out four missions an hour, and on a normal hour, there's about 16 different objectives that any player can go and achieve. So, uh, like, if there's a commander at base or an XO not doing his job, we get players all the time get more angry because they don't get involved with the game. They're just going out to pick a gunfight where majority of the people coming, they want to get involved with a scenario, so they want right. to go do those missions. So it's right. up to the commander or general. Hand just like in the real world. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The general commander's not doing their job. Yep. The sergeant usually leaves them to the back alive and drags them, drags them yeah. for days. Yeah. But yeah. And, the paintball field. <laughs> yeah. And you gotta, you gotta laugh at that sometimes though. I, I remember being in a game and the commander was inexperienced. We'll say that. Mm-hmm. And at one point we didn't know what we were doing and I saw the commander run past me holding nothing but a rubber knife. Went, <laughs> yeah, wrong direction. I was like, all right yeah. then, buddy. <laughs> I'm just going to go do what I do. <laughs> and yeah. wandered into a building. <laughs> so it's, yeah, if they're inexperienced, if they're just being jackasses, you know, it's, it's no reason to yell at them or freak out at them. But. Yeah, and we've learned from our mistakes. Like my first two years, I made numerous mistakes. And then, you know, like commanders, like I'm saying, or referees, we've just evolved over the years. Like this is five years now I've been doing this. So like every little mistake that I make at one event, I make sure the next event, it doesn't happen or event down the road, it makes sure it really doesn't happen. That we do something to, nice. correct, to correct whatever whatever went wrong to make sure that it goes perfect next time. Yeah, because most people will be like, oh, there was something, this, you know, the after action for their event or whatever, like, oh, no, no, that wasn't our fault. That was just people complaining needlessly. And But you take it to heart and you improve on it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, Very no, cool. We, we always ask for feedback. So right away, if I have, like, uh, after an event, if I hear anything, just a rumor mill going around saying, oh, this happened on the event, I'll go search and find out about that person. Be like, hey, what happened? Can you give me kind of, like, the story of what happened on the field so I know? Oh, the ref did this and this and this. Do you know what ref was? Nope. Okay, well, next ref meeting, at least I can bring up that situation that happened that was never brought to my attention off the yep. field. So then I can at least to my refs in the next time, be like, hey, this happened last time. Let's make sure this doesn't happen again. Uh, if this does come up, this is the way to kind of assess the situation and what to do. This is this is awesome. I've never heard an event organizer so uh, so organized Passion. with with the refing, specifically the refing, because I know a lot of event organizers always focus really heavily on. Making sure that the game is fun and make sure that it's it's interesting and intriguing, but they don't they don't put a whole lot into uh, well, what if something goes wrong? What if mm-hmm. you know it's that, not as fun? That's what's hurting well, yeah. the sport of paintball, I think. Is the yeah? No one's, I, no one's, I, go ahead. I, I echo what you're saying too, and we've talked about it before on the show. Hooligan and I is um, what comes down to refing and and fun. Like if you want it to be fun in the field, well, it can't be just chaos. It has mm-hmm. to be controlled so that way everybody has fun and everybody walks away with a big smile on it and it starts at the basic grassroots of refing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can have the most detailed missions and super plans and best special effects, but if you have shit refing, mm-hmm. oh, I said shit on the air. I love to say shit. I said shit. <laughs> I better stay aside. I said shit. So if you have <laughs> shitty refs, 
it's just it's going to bring the whole thing down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like buying the fanciest um, supercar and having a Honda Civic engine in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looks pretty, but yes. runs like shit. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, instead of that, we'll say a sewing machine engine because I'm sure there's somebody listening. You know that has a Civic and is like you bastard. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. now we're gonna get somebody like, yelling at us about a sewing machine. Yeah. Okay. Fine. It's like yeah. having. I chalk it up to. I, I say it's the equivalent of like a video game. I I I read a an interview on yes. a game designer and they said, you know, what's the hardest thing about a video game? He said, well, we experimented one time. We gave them a video game with like basically endless options. It was as open and as free as you can make it, and we found that players did nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you Confine them to those corridors, but give them the illusion of freedom. It almost sounds like I'm the Matrix. Uh, <laughs> they're like happier. Like kids, you give them the illusion of responsibility and freedom. Right. Yep. It's, but you guide them through that story. Everyone's happier at the end of it, and that's mm-hmm. that sounds like that's what you're doing. I, I cannot wait. Okay, so I've got it. Okay, so it's like having a supercar with the <laughs> ET Atari game as the motor. I like Atari. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like Atari too, but ET was the worst game ever oh, made. Oh, ET, yeah, I never played yeah. that. That was terrible. You, you couldn't do anything because as soon as you start the game, the guy comes walking across the screen, touches you, or you fall into the pit. You can never get out again. Like there, you could never win that ET. Oh, so that's what bad reffing is. Games. Yeah, back so that's forward. that's what bad reffing is. People, listen closely. Do not have ET refs. Have good ones. <laughs> My personal, the bad, the worst reffing you could do is. Make ask them to do it for free. You ask volunteer refs, they're not getting rewarded for doing what they're supposed to do. So if you don't give any reward, it's just like an animal or you know a young child. If you don't reward them for doing something good, they're not going to do anything good. They're just going to keep doing bad things. So like when you, you offer go, that folks. to a when you offer offer a paintball team just to pay their field fees, sure they're paying for that, but to them they're not really paying that. They're just refing a game. They don't really think about what they're actually earning out of it. So, like, what we do now is we're offering, like, cash money to the referees for per hour. Like, we pay you just like a normal job. So now that's where we're starting to get where it's almost like a job that you're doing. So you're expected to do that job and perform at what we're expecting. Yeah, well, as soon as you start paying someone, then you have the option to just fire them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's where before it's volunteer-based. It's like, wow, they're volunteering. You can't, you can't really yell at someone because they're helping you. And it's all that nonsense. And then when you're paying them, it's like, ah, uh, no more money for you. Go away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But if you want like a sport to grow, you have to you have to spend money to make money. So like for this sport to grow, we have to spend it on certain things like marketing, ref- refereeing, um, certain things like that. Like people, the, the sport needs to operate in a professional manner. If it doesn't, it just doesn't grow. Mm-hmm. Very true. So let's talk. Let's talk uh, D Day with Commando Paintball. Oh, I'm excited. when the guy that organized it is excited you know it's going to be good yeah last year i started helping with them just did consulting with them last year for it and we changed a few things and it just went so much smoother and this year i'm running the entire game and there's so many new things we're putting into this it's just it's going to be wild okay so i'm going to come up with so many complaints just to (laughs) right (laughs) i'll start a complaint box for you the game hasn't even started shake his hand be like hi kyle the weather sucks. <laughs> your, face, your, your face is ugly today. Go fix it. <laughs> I don't like your shoes. <laughs> the there is ponds there, by the way. We can just throw you in the ponds. We'll make sure the boats sink. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm not going on the boats. I'm bringing my swim gear, and I'm doing an uh, underwater insertion on this one. Like that, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to bring the rebreather. Out. Otherwise, they might see it coming. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Navy SEAL, that shit. Canadian <laughs> 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 Pathfinder. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, because you're going to Navy SEAL that shit, then you need a full camera crew to be there. Oh. Yell at everybody yeah. and say, hey, yeah. this is super secret. Nobody watch. Exactly. <laughs> and then film okay, the don't thing. pay attention to me. I'm going in, but as a Canadian Pathfinder, I'll just, I'll just sleek across. And actually, I'll go in four hours before the game starts, so I'll already <laughs> establish the beachhead. <laughs> just, everyone shows up. Nate's lying on the beach. What are you doing? Shh, defending. <laughs> okay, guys, bring in your boats. I've been here all week. It's good. It's safe. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, okay, so uh, Commando Paintball's D-Day. So that's uh, June 11th and 12th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a two-day event. So what is on day one? What is What is June 11th? So most players that would have come to this the past years, they never did the Saturday. It was only the Sunday game. Uh, this year I've asked them to do the Saturday game just because, like I was saying before, we like to make it a longer weekend just because if you're traveling far distance, you get more value for your money then. Um, you get more time to play. I think the paintball is totally worth it instead of just one day. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So on the fr- on the Saturday, we're going to do like 101st missions. Um, we're going to have certain parts of the field, depending on how many players show up, and they're not sure what they're expecting yet, but it seems like we're going to have a couple hundred. Um, what we're going to be doing is the Allies will be kind of st- coming around and surrounding the Germans to take certain key positions. Um, depending on how many 101st missions the, the Allies complete or the Axis kind of, uh, the uh, Germans complete, uh, will depend on their starting points for the Saturday as well. Uh, won't change the game too much, but it'll make it so that one team, if they do really good on the one day, on the Saturday, they'll have an easier time in the morning on the Sunday. Okay, so there's a reason to push yourself on that first day. Exactly, yeah. Okay, cool. I like that. That's uh, that's a good way to do it. It's, there's something behind it. It's not just uh, a number on a board or bragging rights or nonsense like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, because bragging rights are useless. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely are. Yeah. Scenario paintball is about all you get. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> that well, you guys don't have, like, a trophy or, like... Uh, you know, a big meeting where we sign some surrenders and we get to take that home with us and put it on the wall? PRZ, we've started that. We have the Asylum Trophy. Every commander, whoever wins the event, gets on the trophy. Ooh. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, remembered in history. And then we've started awards, too. Um, for the Commando D-Day, we'll have them, too. We do, like, MVP, um, Most Viable Team, Nemesis, Sportsmanship. So we try to get out, give out little tiny awards to the uh, players. Nice. That's a really cool yeah. idea. I like that. Just, yeah. Just something small to... You know, just because you weren't the commander doesn't mean you weren't noticed. Yeah, exactly. There was one guy that was coming around last year that won like an MVP and he was just, he almost started crying. He was just shell shocked and he worked his ass off all day out there. Right. He had no idea he was going to get that, but at the end of the day, that just made his weekend. Yeah. Wicked. Okay. So, that is cool. Um, that grows the sport because it makes it a legitimate sport because you get to take home some hardware. Yeah. 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 It's all about the minerals, you know, gold minerals, silver minerals, copper minerals. Platinum, which we I'm a mix platinum with tin player. To create bronze. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a tin. I'm a tin platinum player, level 100. Yeah, all right there, buddy. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's an all day thing, right? June 11th, the first day is an all day game. Yeah, all day. We'll do from like 10:30 all the way to about five. After five o'clock, there is the camping. You can bring an RV trailer. You can chill in a hotel room if you want to. You can hang out at the DJ party that they're putting on. DJ. Uh, He's bringing in a um, big giant bonfire, I do believe, too. He's going to do up. Like, not everybody can have their individual fires, but he's going to do a big community fire. Hey, that's uh, cool. Yeah. Now, you mentioned, sorry, this just popped into my head, so if I don't say it, I'll forget it. Uh, oh, he's already forgot it. No. Uh, now, earlier, you mentioned earlier that the field has Wi-Fi? Yes. Uh, the Commando Paintball just put in Wi-Fi, I think, like two weeks ago. 
Okay, cool. So Wi-Fi. Now, uh, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but how strong is it? Um, she told me, the owners told me it should handle for the whole entire couple hundred people that are coming. That's what their and that's supplier said. Yeah. But they've never tested that many people before. So we're going to find out real quick on uh, Saturday and the Sunday on how much it can kind of support. But on a given weekend there at Commando, they have like four to 500 renters. So if all those renters are using their phones and connecting on the Wi-Fi and using it, we should be able to do so. So yeah, and that's actually if they're pulling down the Wi-Fi and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So, uh, I'm thinking live broadcast, live podcast from the from the field. Yeah. Oh yeah, I want to I want to stream my my footage all day. Yeah, because I know Reaper's there. Reaper wants to do a co show with us. Yep. Um, and I've already demanded that Aztec Wolf and uh, uh, Slim. Slim. No, I haven't Slim. talked to Slim yet. Hastings. George. George. Uh, I haven't been able to. I haven't talked to Hastings yet, but I'm just going to find him at the field. Oh, is he like, going to be there for sure? I'm like. Yeah. Is, is um, we have okay. we have Greg Hastings coming. We have George is coming. We have Alabaster Slim, Wolf, George. Aztec, Reaper. Um, you guys are coming. Um, uh, yeah, Sheldon, Careless. See, it is. <laughs> yeah, I know. So many people wanted those posters, and our and the designers' fees started getting a little bit too high, so we had to cut it off. I um, that's yeah. okay. I'm parroting my own. I'm gonna make a poster of me. But I'm going to pretend to be Reaper. I'm going to be like, do the pose Reaper did, and then the pose that Slim did. And I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm coming. Except it's all Splatmaster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Splatmaster still stings, okay? It does. Yeah. It does. It's like getting hit by a Junebug. Yeah. <laughs> Very angry, aggressive Junebug. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. So that's, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking live, live podcast at some point might, means I'm, it might have to miss out on a game or two. But uh, I think oh yeah, Tom Katchak too. I don't know if you guys know him. Uh, oh Tom, yeah, I know Tom. he's coming too as well. Um, oh right on! His videos are awesome. Yeah, he did the first fight for sound video for us. And he had this Call of Duty like reload, reload. It gets annoying after a while, but that video got like a hundred and fifty thousand views. It's crazy. Yeah, I watched it at least a hundred thousand times. Oh, okay, so you know what video I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh-huh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I may be familiar with it. A <laughs> hundred million paintball videos on YouTube. Yeah, oh my god, they're everywhere. And it's just like, I, GoPros. GoPros yeah. everywhere. That changed the sport. <laughs> yeah. It really did. It brought it to a lot of people. Like action cams. I guess I should call them, just not GoPro. Yeah, it wasn't GoPro that, that originally. I think it was the, the what did they call them? The Recons? Drift? Or the, Drift? Oh yeah, the R7 Recons that Greg Hastings was pumping hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, he was pumping it hard. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> but a psh. <laughs> We need a little sound effect. We can't use a ding like behind the bunker does. Yeah, where's all the sound effect buttons? Uh, oh. I'm still working on that. I'm still collecting. Hooligan <laughs> made me get rid of them last time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we do need to set that up. I'm gonna trust. Me, I'm moving in a few months, and the new place will have a studio from the ground up proper studio with all the gadgetry and all the pageantry. Great. All the pageantry. It'll be fantastic. And nice. all the green leafy trees. So cool. Okay, so we're going to have to talk more later about that uh, that live broadcast. It's going to be fun as hell. So talking about day two. Yep. Okay, so uh, day two, briefings around 9, 9.30 is when we're going to be doing briefing for all the players. Uh, registration opens up way earlier than that. 
Um, registration too, by the way, uh, is capped at a certain number. We're not saying right away. Once we get to that kind of cap number, we won't be going over a thousand. Um, it is lower than a thousand, but, uh, we won't, uh, go over that. Uh, to pre-register, you just go onto their website. It's all done with a QR code. So when you pre-register, you have to bring the QR code with you to get scanned in at the actual field. There's no registration coming up and like paying cash or signing in. It has to get all done throughout your phone. They're trying to change it to a, like a higher technology kind of style. Well, it's a little easier to keep track of everything, I guess. It yeah, very yeah. much so. A thousand people. Yeah, yeah, dealing with cash boxes all over the place. Cool. And I'm, I'm totally not just boxes. registering right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and he's totally not just registering everybody that's traveling in the van with us either. Nope. <laughs> we do have a couple hundred already registered up too. We're at like 200, 300 pre-registered already. Like it's just piling in. Um, now, when you register, do you automatically register? F- I'm, I'm saying this. I've already done it. I'm doing it for the sake of conversation, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, when you register, do you get to pick what side you're on, or does that happen when you, you balance out the numbers later on? So what I do with my games is I let you pick what side you want to play. Uh, if the game is very unbalanced, like when I basically am like Moses in the morning when I'm on the stage or whatever, I'll part the, part the crowd into two different groups. And anybody that doesn't have a group just hang out in the middle and we'll split you up. Two refs are going to go around and count the two groups to see what kind of numbers there are. They use like the bouncers and counters at the like the doors or whatnot. So then we see what okay. kind of the numbers are. So if it's only like 20, 30 off, if you have like a 500 or a 500, it doesn't really matter. But if you're down to like 200 on 200 and there's like a 30, 40 difference, Two to three hours into the game, that could really change things. So that's when we start asking players to switch sides just to balance up the game a little bit better. Um, if nobody will switch, that's when I have to put the foot down and be like, okay, uh, team one, you need to go over to this side of the the other side and play for them for the day. Sometimes I get a little pushback by them, but it's all about paintball and I'm here to grow it. If it's not a balanced, fun game, then everybody has a bad day. So we're better yeah. off just switching people over. But we let you pick. You can pick to play for the Axis or the Allies. But if it's a very unbalanced game, then we ask for volunteers. We don't get enough volunteers, and then we'd be forceful until you have to switch over. Which is absolutely fine. I mean, yeah, it's it's fun to play with your team, and it's always a good time to play with your team. But when you're, you know, when you're talking, the the fact that you're pushing a team uh, into the into losing because you're just bigger numbers or you know, mm-hmm. something like that, then you know, to suck it up, go to the other team. You're still playing paintball, and let's be honest, half the time you don't know who the hell you're shooting at, anyways. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and you're not here to win. These these scenario games we put together are not really meant to be a winner or loser. It's meant for everybody to go out there, have a good social time, and have a fun time, and have good memories. Which is perfect. That's exactly how it should be. Yeah. So, based on that, what's your, your rules on smoke and uh, first strikes? Um, first strikes, I do believe, is open for them. They will have them for sale. Uh, for that game, uh, we are gonna have like a sniper kind of perk, so we will lim- like we won't be limiting to how many snipers there will be, but you'll have to have a sniper card to say that you're able to shoot first strikes. Reason being is we go over extra few little rules about using first strikes in the field compared to normal paintballs. Um, smokes open as well; all players can use them. Um, we do teach the refs as well what to watch for because the second time you throw a smoke grenade, the oxygen goes into the cylinder, and that's when it can turn into a fireball. Um, not off, not usually off the first throw; it's usually the second throw that we have the issue with it. Yes. Yeah. But so you shouldn't throw a smoke grenade after it's already been thrown. Correct. Yeah. Uh, the second time, it's just like a fire. So if you light a fire and you start blowing your, like, you know, you just start blowing into it, it's going to expand and get bigger because of the oxygen. Um, when you light a smoke grenade, it's not hot enough and the flame inside isn't going hard enough yet when you first throw it um, for the oxygen to kind of bust into a fireball. But when the next guy picks it up and rethrows it, 50% of the time, it'll turn into a mini fireball more than just a smoke grenade because of the oxygen going through the cylinder. I did Bam. not know that. Science, son. Science. Well, we've had yeah, quite a, quite science, a bitch. 
referees running around like their heads cut off, not sure what to do because it's just that moment of like, oh my god, there's a fire in front of me. It's like a meter long. What do I do? It's just a grass fire. So spread so stamp it out. Yep. <clears throat> or take a leak. Yeah. We tell our referees to use their pod packs and put uh, water bottles in their pod packs and just have those on them all day. That's a hell of an idea, especially yeah. if you kind of find somebody who's got obvious heat exhaustion or yep, dehydration. Exactly. Yep. That is really smart. Huh. So There's, for You guys have thought of a lot of stuff. Sorry. It, <laughs> just, yeah. I'm just like, that's so common. Why didn't I not think of that? Yeah. I've been doing this for five years, and I've made a lot of mistakes, and I've made a lot of improvements, and that's the one thing we like to do with synergy. It's meant to bring synergies, meaning is we bring multiple things together to make one good thing. Love it. Love it. Now, with um, the whole thing, let's just go the whole weekend. Is is there a is there a backstory to this, or are we just calling it D-Day because it's it's a beach and there's going to be just a shit show in the middle? Um, it's been D-Day for the past, I think, like five or six years now they've been doing it. I don't know how long this event's actually been going. I think six years now. Oh. Um, but it's always just been a D-Day game. It's always been a Tipman Challenge D-Day game. Uh, the reason being is how their field's laid out right at the front. It, used to, it was supposed to become a golf course. They have a bunch of ponds. So there's some boats that are right on the edge of the pond that you can start in. And then you have to work your way up probably about maybe a two-meter hill. And then at the top of the hill is like the head of the beach. And there's a bunch of bunkers and uh, hills and stuff. Yeah, just a tiny little one. <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> one. <laughs> I'm too fat for hills. <laughs> the allies do definitely have a hill they have to fight up right off the hop and that's what makes the game very interesting but we do para drops into the back end so you'll there's gonna be three different landing zones for paratroopers to jump in behind german lines and all that fun stuff cool um okay sorry i lost my train of thought because i was looking at the time sorry i was just told fourth year, fourth year. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh any okay so we got some sweet landing craft ideas we got a we got a cool way to start the game now, what about props? You got anything, or is it all super top secret or what? But is is there any crazy you props? You bring anything? Yeah, bring some crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely bring whatever you guys have. Uh, we do know usually somebody brings one of those like uh, sirens, you know, like the, the crank sirens going for the start off. There's a big giant pyro show that's going to go off, uh, a couple thousand dollars in pyrotechnics right off the hop of the game. Um, I got three maps the other day. There's lots and lots and lots of pyro. It almost looks like probably about 50 or 60 different pyro piece is going to be let off at the start of the game um we'll be doing like airstrike bombings uh we're going to use like satchel charges uh medic packs there'll be a bunch of different uh so explain the the airstrike one so let's say um you pushed in let's say the americans can't get over the beachhead we keep using your guys is uh the the allies um para drops to get in behind it's not working very well the germans are just overrunning them and they can't make it across the beach which happened last year so when I went in after an hour at the start of the game, went to the XO or commander, which was Wolf at that time, and I said, uh, have you been using your para drops? No. I said, okay, cool. So let's drop in three behind, and that opened up the, the, the beach, and the Americans made it all the way through the first village. Um, so let's say they haven't been able to make it into the village, and they're getting pushed back into their spawn point. What we'll do is we'll yell out, you know, like, incoming airstrike. Uh, we'll light off a firework, so it does a big bang, so everybody in the field can hear it. At that point, wherever the location is, wherever that airstrike went off or the firework went, everybody in that area is going to die and have to go back and spawn back up. So it's just to, whatever the field gets into a big giant stalemate, it's to get the flow of the game going again. Okay. Um, we don't call them in immediately, though. So let's say like the beachhead gets hit right off the start of the game. We start at 1030, and the Americans still haven't made it over the beachhead by, like uh, let's say, 11, 15, so 45 minutes. We might at that point start discussing about what we're going to change now as an audible, just like a football to call in to say, what can we do to assist the Americans to be able to get up over the beach to get the game flowing back and forth? 
Um, that's what the games we do all the time. We use airstrikes. We call them orbital bombardments when we do like uh, Star Wars games from Star Destroyers, all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> Low orbiting ion cannon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's cool. I like that. It's uh, now will the refs would the refs already be in position for said airstrike? The only reason I'm asking is uh, I played a game that they did the airstrike idea, except what mm-hmm. happened, the way it worked was uh, I was actually commanding it. It was not the, the best game to command. Um, was I picked out a grid on a map, I put it over uh, a radio to a ref, and uh, the ref would walk over to that area and inform all the players that he was that they were all out now. Unfortunately, uh, it meant a ref had to walk a distance to that area, and when the players saw him walking, they would just run the other way. Um, it does happen. So what we do is we do zoning. Um, like how our refs are laid out, they're all zoned. So there's going to be four different zones, and then there's going to be a head ref for each one of those zones, and then he's going to have his like five or six refs under him that work for him, basically. So what I'll do is I'll be off the field running the game as a game director. Um, at that point, I get information relayed to me every like uh, 10 to 15 minutes about where the kind of the gun lines are. I'm always checking to see kind of where the pushes are, where people are getting pushed back. Um, I'll call over to a head ref, which you'll already have fireworks and a lighter in his pocket. Uh, let's say you're going to go to location alpha. You're going to set off a firework there and call out for an airstrike. Uh, everybody on the radio, which is going to be mostly all the referees will be able to hear me say, okay, zone one, uh, all referees in that area, call an airstrike to annihilate everybody that's in that section and then get the game flowing again. As soon as he sticks the, the, the firework in the ground, most people see it and just scatter is what they usually do. And it gets the game flowing anyways, just from that. We don't even have to really set it off half the time anymore. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because in real life, you hear the shells coming. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you run. Yeah, yeah. The whole boy do you run. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like that. That's a, that's a really cool way of doing things. And you said people are welcome to bring their own, I, I mean, assume safe props? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can bring, uh, we'll be using rocket launchers. I don't supply them, so the, the mini Nerf rocket launchers are uh, Riot shields, uh, we do have a specific rule for riot shields for safety concerns. Uh, they must be completely see-through. Uh, I do believe it's three feet high and two feet wide, or four feet high and two feet wide. I'll have to look at that again. Um, and completely see-through, I uh, use plexiglass. reason we ask for it to be completely see-through is, um, say if a player was shot in the temple, and he passes out and then leans forward and the riot shield's holding him up, if it's a black shield, the referee in front of him can't tell if he's awake or not. And that's why it must be completely see-through to see the motions of the player's eyes and all that kind of stuff to make sure he's still coherent. coherent. But you guys really have thought of absolutely everything. Yeah, we with PRZ, it's a very unique field, so there's a lot of rules that we've had to build over the past years to, to make sure everything's safe. It is a fantastic field. And absolutely that transfers fantastic. to any other field you play on, because you've already established for pretty much any crazy situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, it's... Wow, that's a hell of a rule. I like that. Um, now, uh, have you guys made any changes? to the field physically for this event, or are you just running with what they have? Uh, not specifically for this event. Uh, we're running kind of with what they have, but they have made improvements over the winter. Uh, he's put a, there's a, basically, when you're looking at the field, there'll be three ponds in front of you. There'll be the little hill, which would be the beach. There'll be a village right in behind it full of vehicles and buildings. In behind that is where a tree line is. Uh, in the middle of the field, there's a road that used to run back to where a castle used to be. Uh, last year, he burnt the castle down um, and he put a village in uh, off to the right of the castle. I know you guys haven't been to the field, but if people have been, uh, there's a bunch of valleys and crevices that go in probably almost like 20 feet deep and then back out. So it's, it's pretty deep going across the hills. Well, he's put a big giant tractor trailer across for like a bridge. Uh, and then off to the left side of the field, he's put a bunch more bunkers and buildings into in the back end of the, of the forested area. 
So he's put a bunch of new stuff in this year. Okay, cool. So it's going to be a fresh new field. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of the fields I work with. That's my one request with any of the clients that I work with is that every year they add new things to the field for the players to enjoy. If you don't keep updating your field, you'll fall behind, and a couple years yeah. down the road, you won't exist anymore. Exactly. Yeah, that's pretty true. Yeah. See, Brett, the- see, Lillian, I told you, told you so. Uh-huh. I get I get feedback from players all the time saying that is that they wish that fields would put more new bunkers or buildings or whatnot tear down the old stuff, put new fresh stuff in, or just even move it around. They just want something new. They don't want to play the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, you don't want to see those veterans of that field just demolish everybody simply because they know the flow. Exactly, yeah. Break that flow up a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so. it comes Call of Duty, that first level that everybody plays and knows, and what's the point, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Wow, seems like you guys have your uh, your act together, and it sounds like it's going to be a pretty fantastic event. Yeah, D-Day will be a very good event. Um, starts off that pyro show. We go for a good five hours scenario game nonstop. Um, and then we will be... I, actually, I think we're doing a six-hour game because we're not doing a final battle for it. Usually I did a final battle at most of my games. So what I usually would do is you start your game about 10.30, we go to a 3.30, and then from 4 to 5 we do a final battle where it's just big giant paint waster, so you just kind of waste off the rest of your paint at the end of the weekend. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's one field I go to, uh, or at least I try to make it to at least once a year. A uh, place called Longreach Paintball. They do that at the end of their big, so they have the big scenarios that they hold, and you know everyone's playing the game normally. You're shooting when you can, when you got a shot, and all that. But at the end of the day, everyone always usually ends up with a, at least a bag or a pod or something left to paint, and uh, they do just Hamburger Hill. It's one flag in the middle, and you can actually see the other team when you start. Oh, okay, yeah, that's and what we kind of do. Yeah, whistle goes and all hell breaks loose. Yeah, we make um, the the middle line has five slapsticks. We use slapsticks for our games. Um, we put five slapsticks on the like, uh, middle line in between the two teams, and it's a 50-yard line that you can't cross. So say if one team pushes up to the up to the line, at least the other team can keep pushing forward instead of a team just overrunning the entire field. So it's a good okay. final battle where both teams can keep pushing back and forth. Wow. Yeah, it almost feels like the war of like 1812. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's basically what it is. It's quite funny to watch them just take off sprinting, and then they make it about the about thirty yards in, and then all the all the paintball markers just start flying. It's like ten thousand balls in the air every second. It's crazy. Music to my ears. <laughs> yeah, change, change, change. No, pew 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 pew. Yeah, I don't know about the money, but yeah, it helps. <laughs> yes, it's not about the money, but without the money, these things wouldn't exist. No, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. No. So, wow. Okay, that's. I'm excited. I was excited before, but now I'm just like, holy hell. Yeah, I, I have to say D-Day this year at Commando Paintball probably will be one of the biggest, most popular events of the year for all of Canada. And we're going to be there. We're yeah. broadcasting live. If you're listening to this and you're not really planning to be there right now, you're losing. You're wrong. Yeah, you need to be there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you're, come on you're dead to us. There's... Stop listening to our show and never, yeah. never, never talk to us again. Don't even look in our direction. Commando Paintball, just Google it. Hit registration. You will not be disappointed. Yeah, I just registered while we were talking. Okay, <laughs> thank you. It's going to be a good time. We're, what, we're bringing a crew of what, like seven? Oh, really sweet. From uh, from New Brunswick, so that'll be. Sweet. Well, uh, there's that's just our vehicle. There's another one or two vehicles following up behind us as well. So excellent. We're just going to have a battalion when we show up. Yeah, they're pretty excited. The owners are pretty excited to see what this year does for them. Last year they had five hundred and like sixty or five hundred seventy players. So we're hoping to hit that 800, 900 mark this year is what we're going no, for. No, no, we want we want to hit two thousand. 
We want people <laughs> turned away. Absolutely. That's how popular this. Yeah, and we were scalping QR codes at the, the <laughs> gate. You know, selling your iPhones for thousands of dollars just because people need need to get in there because there's also going to be vendors alley there too, isn't there? Yep, there'll be vendors there. There's quite a few vendors coming. There you go, people. That alone is worth the price of a mission. And you will get to see Hooligan in person. Totally ignore the fact that Greg Hastings, Reaper, I'm more excited to meet you guys. I've heard so much about you guys, and I've never, I've met them before. I've, uh, I'm past that. (laughs) You want to meet a hooligan, okay? (laughs) Just a sidekick hype man. But this guy is, is the real shit. Oh, and shit. I'm, I said shit again. I'm, I'm, okay. Uh... He's the real poop. Okay. He's that guy. He's got the beard that goes on forever. He's and got the it's... eyes to just get hypnotized with. And, and he can paintball. Okay. Yeah. Except you got to look down to look at me because I'm only a wee thing. Um... <laughs> That's why you're so good at paintball then. Yeah. I don't have to crouch behind bunkers. It's great. I, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and speaking of the beard, I've informed the barber that for the next uh, month, yeah, because it's actually a month today, uh, that yeah he's only allowed to clean up like the stray hairs. <laughs> Other than that, the beard is to be left alone, and is to be as burly as physically possible when I get there. I don't I don't want to have to wear. I want to be unable to wear a shemag because the beard is just too <laughs> operator. <laughs> that is such an awesome beard or schmog that you've got wrapped around you. Where did you get that natural ginger looking schmog? I growed it myself, yeah. Yeah, suddenly I'm Texan. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, there's one thing I wanted to get to. I know this has been a really awesome show and it's been uh, super high energy and super positive. So I'm going to kill that and I'm going to bring it right down to a negative. And, dun, dun, dun. So, mm. uh, yeah, right? Mm. <laughs> But this is one of those things that I think we'll be stuck saying until the end of time. But anyone who's watching the news or reading the news or is on Facebook uh, probably saw in a place called Long Beach. I don't know if you've heard of it before. You know, it's kind of famous, but Mm -hmm. Long Beach. Unfortunately, uh, a young man was uh, shot and killed by police because he was carrying airsoft guns uh, in public, one in his waistband and one slung over his back. These were not in cases. They were not in bags. He was not obviously going to an airsoft game. He was, you know, he was just walking around with airsoft guns. Um, Isn't that how you do it? Was he trying to videotape himself? Because I see that a lot, where guys are like trying to just push the boundary of police officers and just try to be like, hey, look what I can do, and not getting, you know, I'll get a little trouble, slap the wrist because I have an airsoft gun. No, man, you're asking to get shot at that point. Yeah, and like, that's what happened to this guy. Is he had wow. he had the rifle slung over his back and he had a pistol in his waistband. Uh, so right there, it's in his waistband. You can't see the orange tip. So what happened was the police officer at the time had told him to drop uh, drop the weapon. Because at that time, you can't confirm, right? Just because it's got an orange tip doesn't mm-hmm. mean shit. You can paint orange tip on an AR-15. Yep. Most uh, of the states, you don't even have to have an orange tip on it, I don't believe. Uh, no, uh, it's... California it's, and New York. Are yeah, it's just right in now. California and yeah, New York. Right yeah. And he told him to drop the weapon, and the fella reached for the pistol to drop the pistol, but the officer didn't realize it was there. So all he sees is a guy reach for his waistband and ignoring the rifle on his back, and they opened up. Yeah. No. And now the fella's dead. So... What Anyone listening, learn? if you're an airsoft player, if you're a paintballer, if you're uh, just don't take your markers out in public. 
you play with anything airsoft paintball real guns just uh bb guns just don't right. do it like nerf guns even i know most of them look pretty fake but you can pick up half decent ones that look pretty good just don't do it don't bring it in public unless it's in a bag and keep it in your trunk I saw a video today, actually, on Facebook where uh, an officer was talking about a kid, and he was holding up a spider marker in the back seat, pointing it at him. So right away, he drew his gun, and there's four kids that were on their way to a paintball field. And the kid thought he was just being funny. Well, all he saw was the tip of the barrel. He said, yeah, he had shot no four. barrel bag on. Yeah. He had no yeah. plug-in, nothing. They were just these teenagers in this car, and one of them goes, hey, and points it at them, and it's like, holy crap. And the, the police officer is like, yeah, I almost shot him. And he was well, legit. And, like, and that's the thing is a lot of people... You know, they, they, they rip on these police officers for, you know, oh, why'd they shoot? The training kicks in. The brain turns off and the training kicks in when you think you're in danger. Yeah. And, and, you know, I wouldn't... And the expression in that situation is always, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by 6 because... Yeah, I like you that. Know, it's, it's, the guy made a decision. He made the right one not to shoot. But mm-hmm. who says, you know, six months down the road he doesn't encounter something similar... Mm-hmm. And it's a real gun, and he and makes the decision to shoot. Like, and he hesitates. You're, you're messing with, yeah, and you're messing with the police, the law. People are there trained specifically to be in those situations, and you know they're not soldiers overseas fighting a known enemy. They're they're fighting crime, which can take mm-hmm. anybody. Anybody can be a, a crime artist. <laughs> There's a word for you, <laughs> a criminal. Um, or they can just be a bunch of dumbass kids with with uh, with paintball markers or airsoft or bb's or some piece of wood that looks like something you know mm-hmm. and they have to make those decisions so i have respect for those officers that make those decisions right or wrong because they are volunteering their life for greater good by saying i'm going to protect my community mm-hmm. so if you're that dumbass who carries your gear around the wrong way you're a dumbass and mm-hmm. we have no respect for you yep i keep my i have a tgr2 which you know, when you when you pick it up, and you you will immediately realize it's a paintball marker. But if you just seen that lying in the backseat of my car at a distance, yeah, no, it, it looks like uh, an AR platform of some sort. I keep it in a gun case, and it goes in the trunk, and it gets buried under the gear. I, I've made the mistake before. I had a TM15 when I was well, maybe five five or six years ago, and I had a green laser sight on it, so I brought it up in the middle of the night. And started shining it into the sky while I was out in the front area. I just got out of the car and pulled it out and just bought this green laser so I could see it going way high yeah. up in the sky. It's really yeah. cool. <laughs> Comes around the corner as a cop car. He wasn't even coming to see me, but when he seen me with what I had in my hands pointed to the sky, lights came on and gun came out. Mm-hmm. I'm most scared I've ever been. Ever since then, my gun or marker, whatever you want to call it, stays in the gun and in, in the gun bag or the gear bag until I get to the field or I'm home. Yep. Doesn't come out in between at all anymore. Yep. And you know that even goes for the uh, the speedball markers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, anything with a barrel. Anything yeah, exactly. Barrel. You look back oh, absolutely. to the 50s and 60s when people were running around with zip guns and stuff like that. You, you know, anything with a barrel that looks like it can shoot a projectile is going to be seen as a hostile threat to police officers. Mm-hmm. So don't be that fucking dumbass. Pardon me. I didn't say shit. I said something else. <laughs> right. But, you know, that unfortunately, that young man lost his life because he was just. Totally irresponsible. It was yeah. such a dumb mistake, and I, that's know. why it says, "Do not sell these to minors." We, yeah, as, as, as vendors and stuff. If somebody comes to me and says, "Oh yeah, I want to buy this. I want to buy an airsoft marker." Okay, that's cool. Go get your dad or your mom, and we'll mm-hmm. talk about it. Yep, yep, yep. I have to do that at the store. I, I work in at Walmart, and I have kids all the time, and they're just like, "I want to buy that," and they're pointing at like the the nine millimeter uh, BB gun. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, yeah, hey, you're 10? So yeah. go get your parents. And then his parents will show up, and they'll be like, well, just get it out of the case for him. I'm like, look, I need you to understand that this could get this kid in a lot of trouble if he takes it in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Right? And they don't come with safety glasses, which I don't understand. Uh, Some of them do. If you get the the, the kits, the yeah. package, yeah. Uh, I had one guy who um, brought his son in. This is when I was working at uh, – we had a little pro shop testing in town. And he wanted to buy his son just a simple, clear – spring action uh, pistol, mm-hmm. be, uh, airsoft. And he's like, yeah, I want to buy this for my son. I'm going to go get him from the car. I'm like, okay. So he brings his son in. The kid's like eight. And he takes the pistol, hands it to his kid, <laughs> and the kid's lazing the whole effing store. See, I, I abbreviated myself there. So he's lazing everybody. And I'm like, I'm just going to take that away. So I took it away and put it on the counter. And the guy's like, what? I'm like, well... Does he know anything about trigger control? Have you taught him any sort of firearm safety or anything? No, he doesn't need that. He plays video games. I'm like, yeah. wow. Parent like, of the year. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. Uh, this is our demo one. I'll have to order you one. He's like, oh, okay. And he left. I'm like, yeah, no, I can't live with that. That's just stupid. Like, did you know in Australia? Uh, yeah, Australia and Germany, there is actual safety courses that kids have to take to get their hands on uh, BB rifles and pellet pistols. I think in Australia, it would be 18 just to play paintball. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty hard I think so. like that. And then they used to have a rule, I don't know if it's still in effect or not, but you had to take a safety course even if you were buying fake firearms, like yeah. uh, like Nerf guns and stuff like that for kids. They had to take a little course, which I think is great. Yeah, I definitely agree too. It's, it's something that should be. A, a, guns are a huge thing in this world. It doesn't go from airsoft to real guns to paintball. It's it's everywhere and it's going to be everywhere and it's always going to keep growing. It's something that humans we just love for some reason. I don't know why, but we do. And and the the accidents and incidents is the ones where the people don't have have the training or yep. familiarity with it, and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, ah, yeah. So at the end of the day, don't be dumb. Mm-hmm. And don't uh, be stupid. Tonight's <laughs> way. Be smart, rather, really. Yeah. And, and just, uh, you know, Double if you're transporting gear, transport it in a gear bag. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. It's as simple as that. Throw it in a bag and don't take it out until you're at the field. We all know it looks really cool and all to have it hanging out in your seats to show off to everybody, but Grandma beside you's calling 911 real quick. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can be gangster as, as Fook, or you can be an operator as Fook and keep that shit hidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, get yourself a nice case and, you know. Slap some patches all over that case. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, all right. Well, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna end it there. We're. Dun dun dun. Right. Dun, dun, dun. We're already at our. At our. I think we're at an hour, give or take. So. Um. So, Kyle, thanks for coming on. Thank oh, you. you. Thank you for having Kyle? me. Kyle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, so real quick, where can people? Uh, where can people find? All the info again. I know you've said it like seven times, but trust me, nobody's uh, listening. Synergypaintball.ca. Uh, check out our website. We have 22 events for 2016. Uh, we're working with seven different fields right now. We're looking to grow every year. Uh, we're looking to come out to PEI to Crossfire in uh, September, I do believe, for their like military base game that they're doing. So we're growing. We're oh, hanging we're going to be there, too. The yep. Hey, uh, yeah. So. We'll save, a, we'll save a, a lobster for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love lobster. Um, crab I like more, though. You got lots of crab out there? I got the crabs once, and I tell you, <laughs> when, you when you shave half the cubes off, and you light the other half on fire, and when they come running out and you smash them with a hammer, you get them 
but it doesn't it doesn't leave a good that taste in your mouth. That is a horrible mental image. So carry on, Kyle, before he keeps going. A whole lot of pain. <laughs> um, but yeah, I plan on coming out to uh, PEI for that Crossfire game. Um, one thing to check out, something new we're trying for next year, if you're early 2017, we're trying to get a paintball expo going. So it's going to be like a Canadian paintball expo. It's in Brockville, Ontario. It's at an indoor paintball field. Uh, they have the other half of the, this Kmart that they've like leased out to put an indoor field in. So we can put like actual shooting ranges right beside the vendors. Uh, so you can demo guns right out. Uh, we want, you know, like all the media to kind of come. All the fields are welcome. Anything paintball is welcome. And then the general public can come in and buy any product that they want. No, we don't want the general public coming in and wrecking it. We want the private. Just want the inner circle. <laughs> yes. To hell with growing the sport. Yeah, I, I can't stand that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yeah. that just, uh, it just drives me nuts. But oh. I think I think I've already clicked attending for that event on uh-huh. Facebook. Yeah, you guys are welcome to come and do a podcast right from it too, if you guys would like to come or if you're doing video by that time. I have no idea what you guys will be doing at that point, but you're more than welcome to come. Hell, neither do we. Oh, we're so. doing everything. Everything. 360-degree podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Jester TV taking over the airways. Love it. Okay. Uh, so, Kyle, thanks for, for coming on and, and chatting and tell us all this crazy, awesome, cool stuff. Thank you for having me. And, uh, Jester, thanks for jumping on and, and chatting. Uh, always a pleasure, my friends. Excellent. So, uh, to everyone who's downloading and streaming, again, I'm going to keep saying this over and over again. SoundCloud. We're not using Podomatic in the future. I'm using it until the, it runs out. I'm not paying for it anymore. It's, so we're using Podomatic now, now. Not then, but now. And in the future, it's not going to be now. SoundCloud. Switch to SoundCloud. If you found us on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, where else are we? But Pretty not much, Podomatic. But not Podomatic. Stop using Podomatic. I want to see the numbers in Podomatic drop, and I want to see the numbers in SoundCloud and everything else go up. So That's let's make that happen. And uh, you know, oh, by the way, you know, also thanks for downloading and streaming and listening to us. You know, it's it's awesome. So until next and week, tell everyone. Your friends. And tell your friends. And tell your friends. So again, till next week, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.